Welcome to New England Take and WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. New England Take is a weekly show that takes place on Fridays at 6 p.m. You can listen to the back episodes at thenewenglandtake.com, where we also have links to our Patreon page, and a uh, we actually just set up a PayPal link also if you want to independently support the show. Uh, we want to build a community. We want to help out nonprofits, local businesses, uh, as you saw from a couple weeks ago, actually, we even spoke to a, uh, an, a an attorney at UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law about helping uh, people in as a New Hampshire public defender and civil rights, which Buzz will be a regular. So definitely uh, check out those episodes. We'll get a little more political in the future, which will be more fun. But today, I'm, I'm excited to have Corey Fletcher, who is uh, from Revival, which is a restaurant in downtown Concord, New Hampshire, which has certainly been through the ringer the last year and a half year um or a little over a year now especially but um before we get into that what is revival uh revival kitchen and bar is a uh, uh restaurant featuring uh new england uh style cuisine using local ingredients uh craft cocktails craft beer uh the majority of our product comes from within new hampshire um, if we can't get from New Hampshire, we search out to Maine, Vermont, Mass. Um, you know, farm to table is the kind of catchy thing that you've been hearing the last few years. Especially. It it is. Uh, it's something. It's a concept that I've been been working with even before before revival. Um, you know, people just want to know where their food comes from. Um, you know, instead of some factory farmed chicken or egg or pork, you know. You know, saw the issues with COVID and those factory farms that created a ton of issues. And ever since COVID, people are just diving into local. Yeah, which is, definitely. Which is, which is great. Yeah. the I mean, what was it like starting up a business downtown Concord? What's kind of funny is downtown Concord doesn't really have much that's in this niche. Like there's like the works has is Kai tries to focus on New England right. but they're they're franchise. I mean they got a few different locations across New England. But as an independent place that's farm to table, there's not much in the Concord area it seems like. No, it's uh definitely pride ourselves in being the first restaurant in Concord and Concord area to to be, you know, true farm to table. You know, there's there's places around in town in the area that will, you know, use local stuff for for specials, but it's 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 a daily and hourly commitment to to source locally, and it's it's not, it's not easy. Yeah, what's that like having to work? You must have to work around your menu on a pretty consistent basis to have that work. We do. Uh, for years, it was even before revival. It took farmers a lot to kind of get on board and wanting to supply to to restaurants because it's it's a partnership. You need to be communicating with each other on a weekly, daily basis. Um, you know, I need to know what I'm going to be getting next week to work on menus and specials. And if I'm not getting that information from farmers or locally so, local sources, it's, you know, I'm, I could spend 40 hours a week just chasing product. Yeah. How, how responsive are the farmers with regards to this? Uh, they're, they're, they're good. And there's, there's uh, definitely a handful of farmers that, you know, I've been working with for, for five plus years that have been great and, they're the ones that keep getting the business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's got to be a time suck having to track down people. Yeah, like like I said, it's a it's a partnership. You know, we yeah. work together. Their success is is my success. My success is is theirs. Is there something that's been surprising about what you have access to, or what has been 
uh, more popular with regards to the more local product? Uh, nothing really that comes comes to mind. A lot of it's just seasonal, uh, you know, seasonal influences. Um, one of the the partners or companies that we've worked with since day one was. Uh, New Hampshire uh, Community Seafood, which is our restaurant-supported fisheries dish, which is a seasonal item, um, which runs mid-April through through December, and they use all uh, mo- mostly New Hampshire boats or New Hampshire landed oh, wow. fish, um, and you know they let me know on a on a Monday what the boats are catching that week and what I'll be getting you know throughout the week. I feel like New England especially really has that feel for what's going to be seasonal. Like, like you always think about um, like Anthony Bourdain shows mm-hmm. where that was always a constant thing when he would travel to different locations. Like like this group, this this uh, region really understands that this time of year we have this, this, and this. And I feel like New, New England is really always plugged into that, especially with the fact we have our fall where we have the orchard season and the poor orchards are just bombarded <laughs> with yep. people, for better or worse. Great from a financial perspective, but with regards to moderating the volume of people, it can right. be quite difficult. Carter Hill Orchard is always an interesting th- experience that time of year. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but then winter comes along, a lot more of the like the pies and the, the frozen things mm-hmm. and the canned things are really popular. And summer comes around with all the greens when they all start coming. Uh, I mean, do you, do you think that's, that's true with regards to New England? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, historically, New Englanders have always, you know, eaten out of comfort and, and demand. You know, it's during the winter, all you're eating is, is root crops and dried beans and, and stuff like that. So a lot of the New England staple dishes, seasonal dishes, are rooted in, in that concept. Have you – has so has your overall menu changed a lot through the years as you kind of developed having your own kitchen and in your own location too? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, are you the owner also? Yes, I am. Okay, so that must that must have been an experience over the first few. How long has the restaurant been around? Uh, this past January is four years. Four years. So how how much has changed over those four years? A lot. You know, it's I don't look at the menu as a as a set thing. You know, there's a handful of items on there that you know my head would be on a platter if. They were taken off. Yeah, you gotta um, so get the so, regular stuff. <laughs> exactly. You know, you gotta gotta keep people happy, and there's a certain expectations of people returning and seeing certain dishes. But you know, our our service staff and our whole team does a really good job on explaining what we do um, as far as seasonal changes and, and that sort of stuff. Well, bar and cocktail side of the house. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's at least from a mainstream perspective, it's really gained in popularity over the last two to three years. Right. I've, you guys got in right before that kickoff, it seems like. How has that changed? Uh, it's There's definitely more more demand. You know, there's always going to be calls for, you know, classic Manhattans and martinis. Um, we really use our reviving spirits, especially cocktail section, as, a, as an avenue to express our personality and follow trends and, you know, if Tamworth Distillery comes out with, uh, you know, uh, an awesome gin or vodka or, you know, some cool spirit coming from different part of New England, we'll, we'll definitely feature that in, in cocktails on the, on the menu. And as the seasonal changes, just the same way the menu does, and we want the, the beverage and the food to be homogenous. We don't want to have, you know, heavy dishes in winter. I mean, in summer, yep. 
and you know wanted want them to be reflective of, of the season. Yes, the drink has to go along with the meal to some extent. Exactly. With the the brewery side of it, mm-hmm. so I've seen you guys have served the local breweries also. That must have been really interesting the last couple of years as Concord Craft, Leatherman's, and such have moved in and really expanded considerably. Yeah, it's uh, having having local breweries and microbreweries around. You know, definitely helps create a, a culture and makes Concord more of a destination that. You know, there's small businesses supporting each other. You know, you're not going to see a huge macro brewery from, you know, the Midwest, you know, at Revival because we've got awesome breweries in, in Concord and New Hampshire and New England that I'd much rather keep that money and support local and, you know, it's it's what we do. So, and the beers are phenomenal. Oh, they're great. I love it. I've loved it over the last few years, especially it's Leatherman's. Especially, I've really come to to enjoy like their misguided angel and such. Yep. And it's everywhere now. Like yeah, you is. see all the restaurants downtown really picking up on it, right. and uh, and that's been really nice. And it really it keeps the ecosystem of once again the farm table, the local area supporting each other. Right. If you had to come up with one meal. That kind of gives a good look at what revival's like. What would that be from appetizer, dessert, and drink? Uh, put you, put you on a, the spot. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a good question. You know, it's uh, on on the menu. There's you know right at the top. There's a awesome selection of of New England cheeses. You know, grab grab your favorite cocktail. Whether that's a you know blueberry basil lemonade, which is going to be landing on our uh, new menu when we when we reopen, um, or Manhattan, or nice crisp. You know, New England IPA um, to go with the cheese. Sit back, relax, and have good conversation. Um, some of our small plates. Um, we've got a lobster poutine, which you think of poutine, you think of you know something that's heavy and rich. Um, but we've got house-made French fries with uh, some Maine, Maine or New Hampshire lobster, depending on where we can get it from. Um, some local. Uh, Cave Age Toma cheese with Espelette pepper and then a uh, um, hollandaise sauce. So you kind of have all the components of, of poutine there, but it's changed. It's revived. More New England. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yep. What about for an entree? Um, I'd either, you know, I like to I like to eat fish when I go to eat because um, mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of people don't like to cook fish at home, but, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, our scallops are you know our number one number one selling entree that's kind of a play on a paella um we have a saf- uh, saffron calasparra rice um calasparra is a is a spanish spanish rice um comes with uh, some local uh, uh local pork chorizo uh shrimp tomatoes and a citrus vinaigrette um restaurant supported dish uh, fishery dish whatever that is uh, that's probably one of our more seasonal seasonal items because that changes every week um and if you ever see duck on the menu or uh duck special um i'd go with that (laughs) duck's been been probably my my more popular signature dish over the years you don't see it much that's for sure around here no you don't uh dessert where does it close uh (laughs) our brown butter walnut carrot cake is is by far one of the most most popular um or you know, if you if you're a chocolate fan, go the dark chocolate terrine that has uh, chocolate in four different forms. You have the chocolate terrine, hot fudge, chocolate crumble, and uh, a chocolate bark. So if you're a chocoholic, that's it's the that's, way to that's, go. That's, that's your dish. 
Awesome. So we're going we're gonna to be taking a break here in a second. Uh, give the quick plug to the restaurant, where it is, and where people can find out more about it. Uh, Revival Kitchen and Bars on uh, Depot Street, uh, right next to Cheers. Um, website is revivalkitchennh.com. And uh, reservations, give us a call, 715-5723. You're listening to the New England Take on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and com. Get the back episodes and learn more about the show at thenewenglandtake.com. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the New England Take on WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kirsteth. The New England Take is a weekly show that is Fridays at 6 p.m. And with rebroadcasts through the week, you can check out the back episodes, subscribe to the podcast, and everything like that at thenewenglandtake.com. I'm joined by Corey Fletcher, who's the chef and owner of Revival, which is a restaurant in downtown Concord, New Hampshire. And I want to dive into what, what COVID has done to, good God, everything in your supply chain, everything that's gone on with your just your business as a whole. I mean, when, when March of last year hit, I mean, what happened to you? Uh, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. A lot happened. Um, I remember the weekend before we kind of found out that closures were going to happen. That whole week, there was, you know, reservations were all over the place. People were canceling, you know. Even two weeks prior to that, you can just see a sharp decline. And 15 million phone calls. Are you actually going to be up? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, that, that last Saturday, we were, we were pretty slow. And I just, I just had this sinking feeling like something big is going to happen. You know, it's – but I never, never would have imagined just, you know, cold turkey, just like no indoor guests. Um, I remember seeing something on uh, on the news Sunday night about uh, the CDC limiting um, um, venues to 25 people, and I don't think I slept that night. It was oh, yeah. <laughs> it was it was rough. Um, it's I mean this has been brought up on, on other programs a lot, but I feel like this is something that really has to be hammered home. Is a, a restaurant has overhead that you just can't meet by just having a couple people come in and out. Right. It, it's you gotta you gotta have a certain capacity. I mean, you probably need like three quarter capacity th- through a night in order to really have it be profitable yeah, at exactly. all. Exactly. Um, I mean, what what was your next steps when you when you heard that indoor dining was down? Uh, well, I met met with this met with the team um, just so we could all touch base and you know look at each other and have a con- honest conversation. Um, and uh, I told them that, you know, short term, I wasn't really worried about uh, myself or the business, but I was worried about, you know, their livelihood. Um, and, you know, as a as a business owner, you know, you, you got to take care of your employees and they're, we're a team. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they appreciated it and they, they still do. Um, so... Going into that meeting, I had the idea that we we're just gonna do takeout and wing it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, fi- just go with fi- it. Figure it out as we figure it out as we go. It's you know we never, you know, specialized in in takeout like it's like, very different for for you guys especially. I mean, like if you're just slinging burgers over at the barley house, I mean they they were it was perfect for them to just turn around. It's like okay, our meals can easily be prepared and go out the door. You can't do that with a charcuterie board very easily. <laughs> no, you can. That's 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 one of the biggest struggles we had. Is yeah. how, how do we take our concept of what we do and make it presentable 
and and still affordable because we had to make up for some of the lost revenues with volume. Yeah. Um, and uh, me and my sous chef that first week we. I don't know. We're just <laughs> kind of figuring out as we as we went. We look, looked at our inventory. Be like, first of all, we need to use up this product so it doesn't go to waste. And we came up with this idea to do a meal for two, you know, which had you know salad for uh, two people, two entrees, and chef's choice of dessert. And it just it worked. Mm-hmm. And people responded to it, and we we listened to to our regulars and the city of what they wanted, um, and. We just kept on delivering, delivering that, and changing up the menus on a daily basis, and uh, it it worked. I feel like Concord really valued the the restaurants and downtown a lot more than probably other areas would. Where it, it's it's fortunate we have that ecosystem. And right. what was that response like from the community? It was it was great. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have revival in Concord was its sense of community. Um, and part of the reason why I chose the chose the name Revival is Concord itself was going through a revitalization. Um, and yeah, you came it was shortly after the Main Street Project finished yep, when you opened. Yep, and between the Main Street Project and you know Concord needing another restaurant, uh, th- that was probably the main reason why I, why I decided to you know dive head in and you know open up my own place because Concord has a great sense of community, um, great small business network. Um, and Chamber of Commerce, of course, is a great, great resource. Now, how did your supply chain work out once you made it through that initial s- stock that you had? What was that like? Uh, it, was, it, was, it was tricky. Um, spring and early summer supply chain for local stuff can get very tricky. Uh, you're you got to grow everything <laughs> that time of year. It takes a while, right? And, and luckily, from a from a farm farming standpoint, they already had their their seeds in place, and they had all their growing programs ready to go. Good. Um, there was one one local um, duck supplier, Loudonshire Farm in Loudon, um, ended up having a. I want to say he had close to five hundred ducks on the ground at different stages. Wow. Um, and. We already committed to, I think, twelve ducks, twelve or fifteen ducks a week, and we were one of three or four restaurants in the state that he was supplying. And he realized that without any restaurants to support, it was a gamble for for him to grow those out and not have a source to sell. So um, he made the decision to cease operations um, for that year. Um, so that's just one example of a supplier, um, you know, upending their operations just the same way that that we did and the rest of the community did. And, you know, it's can't can't prepare for these things. And, and farmers for for vegetables and fruits and things like that must have been very hard to get people to go out in the fields to pick and maintain the fields yeah, too. Exactly. You know, and then you think of every the the larger supply chain. You know, everyone's you know look at toilet paper people are freaking out about yeah. toilet paper you know let alone you know basic food commodities um and one of the things i was worried about is l- if larger supply chains were going to be hurt would local supply chains switch their model models to supplying the general public yeah like and a lot of people did like the big restaurant chains 
they were closed. So a lot of like Cisco and such, they completely said, "Oh, we're just gonna we're gonna end up losing all this, whatever." But we're gonna change everything else to just going to the grocery stores. Right. The grocery stores didn't really, except from some consumables mm-hmm. like paper products. The grocery stores are fine for the most part, at least in New Hampshire. Right, and uh, luckily, a lot of the farmers still had, you know, still had products. You know, come mid mid May and June, that's kind of when their growing season real and harvest season really starts to to ramp up. Um, so allowing indoor guests um, back in 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 end of May, beginning of June worked out because their supplies are going up as our demand was increasing. Um, there's still some, some things that we are having trouble sourcing, but luckily there's enough, enough farms to, to be adaptive to the situation that, that helped help supply. It's kind of the, might, is that kind of the advantage to the smaller farms versus the large factory farms? Absolutely. And, you know, having longstanding relationships with, with suppliers and local growers that, you know, Everyone was super supportive. So around like early summer last year, the city of Concord allowed outdoor dining to take place, yep. and you you guys are one of the many around downtown that took over some parking spaces mm-hmm. in front of their restaurants, put up tables yep. and temporary fencing along that I'm right. starting to see happen again downtown, which is cool. I mean, what was that like opening back up to at least to that extent? Uh, it was it was exciting. Uh, one of my my main concerns was, you know, I don't know, too many people walk down Depot Street, but it's it's downhill <laughs> yes, and the is. sidewalk slants away from the building and it's you can't you can't put tables on that. Yep. Um, so, you know, we had the idea of building a deck out in front, um, ran up by a couple, you know, city officials and health department and building code department and they were they were fine with it. Um, which is, you know, that's great. Between being able to do takeout and, you know, having a huge demand for outdoor dining, you know, that's that definitely saves <laughs> saved the business. Yeah, kind of kept you just just afloat at least yeah. through that bit, yep. and yeah, kept kept people employed and you know locals fed and happy. So, so fall came back around again. It got cold again. I mean, was your strategy to, to revert to what it was like in late spring or did you have a new uh, game in mind when that well, came around? At, at that point, you know, COVID cases were, were decreasing. Um, you know, general public was feeling a little more confident. Uh, we actually saw a increase in um, younger demographics. Um, you know, we still had some regulars that didn't want to eat inside and were still doing takeout um, or eating on the deck. Um, so there's a lot of different options for people to, you know, to be satisfied with a, you know, dining situation. Um, and then in the fall, weather was good. I knew the deck was going to be coming to an end. COVID cases started increasing. Business started slowing. Yeah. Um, which I expected to happen. You know, people going back to the kind of the whole New England mentality, you know, gets colder, people shudder and they want to stay inside and keep themselves safe. Um, and then November and December were definitely some of our slower, slower months since the reopening. So 
you guys had a extremely unfortunate <laughs> bit of luck when Shiro is uh, February or something like that, right? Uh, and, dis, uh, week of Christmas. December. Week of oh, well, Christmas present. <laughs> Merry Christmas with a uh, pipe burst in yep. your in your location that just devastated your your restaurant and poor Angelina's Italian restaurant, which is right downstairs yep. in the basement. So they're entirely stripped out. They they're looking to open again soon too, but. Um, <laughs> what went through your mind? Uh, I I normally don't answer phone calls at six thirty in the morning from unknown numbers, but yeah. I looked at him like, this isn't right. I yeah. answered it. Um, it was a uh, associate of my landlord's letting me know there was water pouring out of the building. Um, I ended up being the first one on scene, opened my front door and. It was probably about 9,500 degrees in there, steaming, uh, water pouring down everywhere, and it was just, I can't even describe the <laughs> the feeling. It's just like, it's just adrenaline rush, and you're looking at complete devastation that that it's, it's yeah. People that, underestimate the amount of damage water can do, especially in the winter when you got to keep everything warm and closed. Right. Uh, I mean, was it just a fluke pipe burst or? Yeah, it was. It was a. Uh, it was in an office, a vacant office building, um, above the restaurant. Um, heat was on, so it wasn't like it was a frozen pipe or anything like that. It was just, just bad luck. Yeah, just a just a fluke, a fluke thing that you know, that cause a lot of a lot of damage a lot of damage what do you do oh geez um <laughs> i shut off the water <laughs> <laughs> um and it just just took it day by day um uh i knew we wouldn't be able to you know do anything immediately you know we had uh some orders for a you know christmas eve kind of take and bake um thing going on and uh worked with the the city health department the kitchen came away pretty much untouched you okay know, we just did a did a cleaning the city did a health inspection walked through said all right you guys can finish up what you need to do um and then from there we just you know started freezing freezing product and you know i gave you know gave some food away to you know staff and you know yeah, I mean, how do you? How does your business and your employees make it through that after COVID? We're <laughs> the the. I don't know if you know a lot about restaurant people, but we're we're a pretty resilient bunch. Um, a lot of the reasons I think we were able to adapt to the to COVID and the flood and and all that is, you know, we're used to making decisions what we call on the fly, like. You know, something happens. You got to make a make a decision then there. And you got to live with it for the rest of rest of dinner service. Um, and nine times out of ten, we make the right one. Um, and you know, through COVID, you know, we talked about different scenarios and how to adapt and you know and change our change our way of doing business. Um, none of us ever worked in a, a takeout a takeout house. You know, that specialized in just takeout. Um, so it was a good chance for me to, uh, have a lot of input from, from staff and let them take the reins and make decisions and, and we lived with them. Um, and, you know, 
made some some customers happy and we, we made some mistakes and made some customers unhappy but you know we just just be honest with ourselves and and our guests and it's, it's all new for us you know just got to roll with it so your restaurant's coming back what's the timeline on starting to open up again and then and it's it's got to be is it's your first business you you've opened it on right. your own what's is this a chance for you to do anything different that you didn't necessarily think of before yeah absolutely it's uh kind of looking at some of it as a as a clean slate you know we can't move walls we can't you know reinvent the wheel um but there's some small small changes in interior in the dining room that we're we're working on um the ceiling's going to be a little bit higher um which is going to make the space feel a little more spacious mm. um going to be a little more um a little more modern lighting um yeah, it's going to look look a little more rustic modern you know paint colors are going to change a little bit um so basically, it seems like you did a really good job at the beginning. That mm-hmm. the audience, you you had a good idea when you went into it. What was what was going to work, and you succeeded essentially with that. It's it, it's interesting. As a theme to this is you had a great setup coming into what you wanted to do with the restaurant. And the audience that is conquered and the surrounding area really supported that. Yeah, they did. It was it was it was great, and I I'm expecting a a huge resurgence. You know the the timing of of the reopening where it's it's probably going to be <laughs> we just ha- just had a staff meeting uh over the weekend you know testing out some cocktails and some some food and i told them when they asked like what are we looking at for a timeline i was like i feel like the last two or three weeks i keep on saying it's going to be about three weeks <laughs> so I, i'm saying it again it's going to be about three weeks yeah okay <laughs> well, well we'll definitely post yeah. uh, when, when you guys open up yeah. and uh, link the show again because of course <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> plug <laughs> uh, where can people learn more about revival we're gonna be going into a quick break and we're gonna come back and i'm gonna talk to Corey about Corey here um it's where people learn more about revival uh website revivalkitchennh.com uh false on uh facebook and instagram revivalkitchennh you listen to New England Taken, WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. Get the back episodes at theneuenglandtake.com. We're posting videos of all the episodes, too, so check those out on Facebook especially. It's New England Take is our handle. We're going to be right back after this. Welcome back to the New England Take and WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. Check out the show at theneuenglandtake.com to get the podcast, the videos, the whole nine yards. We're posting everything there. We also have a Patreon that we're trying to build up to have people independently support the show. And there's also links there if you're interested in advertising the show. We've got rates as low or as high as you want. We're, we want people that are going to support the show in the long term. So uh, we're not going anywhere. I'm willing to stick with it. Kind of like... Corey here with Good God this last year. Um, Corey Fletcher is joining me today. He's the owner and chef of Revival, which is a downtown Concord uh, restaurant that focuses on farm to table. They've went through a heck of a year through COVID and then a pipe burst, so they're looking to open up again here soon. But uh, I want to talk about you a little bit. I mean, you're... You're, you're, you're young and you've really got this solid business that's the Concord area has really eaten up and enjoyed and uh, frequently visits, which is amazing. I love to see that. And, Thank you. And, I mean, you got 
competition all around you, especially right where you are. You got Angelines downstairs. You got Cheers right next door. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a, a real uh, solid restaurant uh, community here in Concord. But you guys brought a really different take with Farm to Table, uh, which is great to see. I mean, you see that in the big cities mm-hmm. uh, and such, but it's something you don't really see in the smaller the smaller towns like us. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely fills a fills a niche and. Customers demanded it, and we deliver it. So, what made you want to go into the to get into the restaurant industry to begin with? I mean, was it you you wanted like cooking when you were a kid? Was it something you discovered later? Uh, I did. I you know I, I grew up you know baking around the holidays and you know cooking cooking at home. And in uh, high school, I took a couple you know introductory cooking classes, just like glorified home ec. Um, and then our uh, High school had a, um, a tech program for for culinary arts, which was a first year program, um, which was exposed me a little bit to to what it was going to be like. Um, at that time, I was already working in a, a local restaurant as a, a dishwasher and a line cook. Um, I feel like that's a constant with people who end up being chefs. They they start down at the bottom and work their way up and. Um, I mean, how much of your experience that you use now do you feel like is from the the formal education versus just being in the kitchen? It's a it's a combination, definitely. It's uh, you know, I'm learning learning every day. You know, ask ask any chef. You know, it's you learn every minute. You learn every day. It's uh, you got to push yourself and try new things. And you know, and the the formal education gives you the format to learn specific things at at a at a slower rate um and you know from there you can just kind of take your career where you want it you know and you could work all over the country all over the world um i stuck mostly to working in in new england um just because i've i've enjoyed new england cuisine and and you're a concord native right Uh, i i from, from from Milford from Milford, but yeah. you know it's I'm a I'm a New Hampshire, New Hampshire. boy, yeah. so um so how how did you keep staying in the restaurant industry after college? Um, I worked at a, a Rie and Chateau property on Nantucket uh, for for a season. Um, worked worked for really good really good chef. Um, met some great people. Um, and towards the end of that season, I was on or off the island, knowing that I was going to be needing a job, and um, ended getting getting in touch with a with a lady who was opening up a wine bar tapas place uh, here in Concord, um, and helped her open that and ran the kitchen for for a handful of years. Um, and I was, I want to say, twenty three when that happened. Um, and that's a pretty pretty young age to take the reins and run a run a kitchen yeah um i skipped a couple couple steps in the in the, <laughs> in, the in the kitchen kitchen path uh uh projection but you know it's this is it just something that came natural to you that you feel like you could you could jump in or you had a good support system um i had a, I had a good support system um you know I'm, I'm not a not a natural leader by any means so it's something i have to have to work at um so being in that position definitely taught me how to how to how to lead and 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 manage manage a kitchen. Yeah, I, that's 
that's something a lot of people don't keep in mind when it comes to people who are who are a chef. And I mean, there's a lot of employees that are that are ultimately going to be the ones that present what it is mm-hmm. that's created from your kitchen. Right. Um, I mean, and what was your next step after that? Um, I worked at a uh, Colby Hill Inn in Henniker, same thing, a small, small restaurant. Um, I was there for about a year and a half and then I ended up taking a, an executive chef job at a Centennial Hotel Granite Restaurant. Um, and I was there for, for about seven years, um, and, and Centennial then, is like a cornerstone of Concord too, is. The, which is what was it like working in that amazing building? It was, uh, it was, it, it is an amazing, amazing building. Uh, the the history behind that building, the different transformations that it's that it's gone through, um, is 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 pretty cool. Um, st- Volume wise, it was probably one of the busier busier places I've I've worked. They at. pack it. They do. <laughs> um, I was the as the I was replacing the original chef there, so I had some big big shoes to fill, um, and you know, worked with a lot of a lot of great people there. That you know, same thing that I was learning how to manage and and grow as a as a chef. What were some big skills that really made you feel confident to take that next step from uh, being a, a chef to starting your own restaurant? Probably the the financial aspect of of running a um, a large, larger kitchen, um, and, you know, budget planning and menu planning and costing and labor management and all, all the things as a, as a business owner, not, not just a restaurant owner that you have to, that you have to take care of, um, that, you know, end of the day, you know, I could, you know, you know, we could be putting out the best food in the world, but if I'm not making money and or if you're able, in a bad location or you're not yeah. building the community that is actually going to keep coming back and yeah. buying your product. <laughs> exactly. And it, it's, it's funny. It seems like uh, running a business is becoming the uh, the theme of the show as we had uh, Katie Dobbins, who's a musician that went wholly, uh, uh, she dropped her job and is now full-time doing the music gig. And branding and presence and making sure you're talking to the right people is, is super important absolutely it's you know it's especially this day and age you know i'm a i'm a pretty humble person but between celebrity chefs and the food network over the years like everyone wants to wants to see the chef so you've yeah. got a and social media and marketing it's 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 a giant giant puzzle that you know you're, you're not just cooking you're Cooking, your part-time plumber, part-time electrician, marketer, bookkeeper, accountant. Um, it's a proper small business that you got to act like is a big business, right? And, and I've got a got a great team with tons and tons of experience that that uh, that I can lean on for for advice and you know and support that that I couldn't couldn't do it without them. So. What is something who wants to take your path and wants to be a chef and maybe have their own restaurant? What what are what's your advice to them? I mean, they want should they take certain steps? Should they take their time? Should they speed run it like you've done? <laughs> um, it really depends on the person. Um, more and more culinary schools seem to be be closing. Um, culinary school as a business is is not a great <laughs> not a great model um you know just find yourself to 
work for really good good chef you know if you like if you like asian cuisine you know search out you know some of the best asian restaurants or italian restaurants or whatever you feel like your niche is find that chef or restaurant in your area or across the country and get your foot in the door you know start at the bottom learn all the little things work your way to the top um take notes learn ask questions you know it's do you feel like apprenticeships are really going to be the future of the industry because of these schools kind of downsizing or just closing yeah they are um and going back to what we were talking earlier about the balance between between hands-on learning and, and structured in school learning you le- you learn more especially in in this trade by by doing you know you can read all the books you want but if you can't translate what you've got on paper into into a pan on a grill and on a plate that tastes good and look good it's the skill it takes practice it, it it's not something you can just take ta- i took this one class i took i took a graphic design course in college and yeah i can still open up an illustrator and do a few things and make it work enough but to be dangerous <laughs> yeah enough to be dangerous and break the software and ruin my thing in about two seconds i was working on but it's if you really want to be good at something like like cooking, it takes a lot of practice. You got to have people taste it. You, it's it's uh, it's not something you can just do at home and say, "Oh, I know how to do this. I'm good to go." It, no, you need an audience. Right. Exactly. And it's years and years and years of of practice and and learning, and never never be afraid to to try new things. And that's kind of the theme with COVID. You know, we just we tried something. Did it work? No. Don't do it again. Let's try something else. And you just you make you're gonna make mistakes. And just like in life, you you fall off your bike, you're gonna throw your bike to the side. No, you're gonna get back on it and ride. So it's so. Where's Corey Fletcher and Revival gonna be in five, ten years? We'll be there. We'll be around. It's a local local concept. Is is not going anywhere. Um, it's people people want to know where their food is, and and we've got a got a good good reputation and you know whether we expand into a different type of business or you know i think revival is pretty unique one-off restaurant so i don't think it's you know gonna become a multi-location item but who knows you know it's I'm excited to find out. Yeah, that's yeah, the good part about life and, and cooking and what we do is you know you don't know what life's going to throw at you next week. You know, don't know what a fishmonger is going to bring or a forger is going to bring. So you just got to adapt and be creative. Where can people find out when you guys open up? Uh, been doing most of our most of our announcements on our Facebook page. We've got a good good followership um, on there. Um, but yeah, social social media has been a huge huge tool for us all right definitely check that out follow revival on facebook and such go to their website uh support the, these guys they're local business definitely you gotta keep these local businesses around here we're we're knocking wood almost through <laughs> this whole covid disaster the vaccines are going out and it's super important that our restaurant industry and uh, local businesses are able to make it through this thank you everyone for listening to the new england taken to be kxl 1450 am 103.9 fm and nhtalkradio.com the new england to check out the podcast feeds get the 
back episodes as well as a link to our Patreon page and PayPal if you want to directly support the show and keep us on the air. I'm looking to expand to having this being two hours a week and I'm looking for contributors. So please uh, go there, reach out to me. Uh, I'm willing to ta- take all, uh, all callers at this point for, for any partnerships we can do. Um, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next Friday at 6 p.m. Thanks for listening to the New England Take.